Hi, my name is Joe Martin. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Toledo, Washington. And I want to thank you for taking a few moments to listen to or watch this midweek video. We're going through the book of Luke, and we're in Luke chapter 9. I want to address this issue today as we look to the scripture. So you call yourself a Christian. So you call yourself a Christian. A lot of people call themselves Christian in one way or the other. And it's really easy. You don't want to be judgmental in any way about people's personal faith. But if you call yourself a Christian, if you have any sincere desire to mature in that faith, if you have any intention to really take following Jesus seriously beyond just a label, then it may be that you're going to need to do some reconsidering as we listen to the, the, read these passages and talk about them. It may be that for you, if you have any, any real intention of following Jesus seriously, you may need to recommit on another level, re- learn how to recommit on a daily level. <clears throat> now, the passage that we will look at today, um, we see that Jesus has fed the multitude And he was already popular, but he becomes more popular at one point than you can imagine. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible tells us that after these miracles of feeding the multitudes, the people wanted him, they wanted him to uh, take over the government. They wanted to proclaim him their leader over the government. And it wasn't, you know, John tells us that it wasn't because they followed his te- his teaching, but it was because he recognized he was giving them what they wanted. He was giving them bread. So at this point, at the peak of his popularity, at the peak of his popularity, Jesus does some things with his disciples. He asks them some questions. First of all, so let's just say Jesus examines those that are, his disciples. Luke 9, 18, he says, as it happened while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he questioned them saying, who do the people say that I am? And he answered and said, John, they answered and said, well, John the Baptist and others say Elijah, others, others say that one of the prophets of old has risen again. And he said to them, but but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. In other words, what Jesus was saying after this, these experiences of the miracles in, in Luke's um, chronology, do you have any idea what I'm really all about? And what we see is that when Peter says, thou art the Christ, uh, thou art the Christ, we see in Matthew's version, it says, he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, you didn't figure this out on your own. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the father revealed it to you. But when he hears that they are getting it, just like when he begins to see that you and I are beginning to really understand who he is, then Jesus reveals himself. And so he starts to reveal himself to his disciples. First of all, he says, he told them, he instructed them, verse 21, that, that they should not tell this to anyone. And there's probably some, there's probably a number of reasons for that. This was not the expression of 
what being the Messiah really was, just a bread producer. It could be that he, his time had not yet come, and so he did not want to immediately um, raise the acute ire of the leaders. It's hard to know. But Jesus goes on to tell them. He reveals some facts to them once he sees that they're beginning to really get what God is doing. He sees the work of God in their life, especially in Peter's case. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. So Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen. He's going to suffer many things, be rejected of the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus is telling them, I know you guys think certain things, but I'm not going to be anointed as king by the chief priests of the elders. There's going to be a cost to the type of leader I'm going to be, the type of leadership that I'm going to present. You know, most throughout history, the kings um, die, you know, the, the, the people, the subjects of a king, the citizens, so to speak, uh, will die for their leader. But in Jesus's case, we have the leader dying for the people. In his kingdom, everything's going to be different. It's a totally different paradigm. He will not be like Pilate or Herod, like we talked about. He is the true leader. So he says to them, don't tell anyone. Um, uh, there's a lot left to be done. He did not want to be, as I said, simply identified as a guy that would give people what they wanted. He was telling them, my kingdom is not of this world. So he's trying to explain in this very, very clear way, following me, and for those of us right now, following Jesus will be very different than um, than just a matter of your side winning, your team being on the winning team. You know, Jesus is talking about a kingdom where he's over and over again said, the last shall be first and the least shall be great. It's a very different thing. And then Jesus moves on from just revealing something. He begins to explain it to them. It's, it's not just a different kingdom, but you have to be a different kind of follower. What you must do to follow him is very, very different than what you you are expecting. If anyone wishes to come after me, he says, he was saying, if anyone wishes to come after me, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And he wasn't just talking about super saints, anyone. So if you're going to follow him, he says, you need to deny yourself. You have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. You see, he was saying, well, what does that mean to deny yourself? It's the essence of what the word repentance means. You turn from making everything about you. <laughs> Um, making everything about your comfort, your needs, your recognition, your convenience. Jesus said in Luke 9.23, he says, And he was saying to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And notice he says, You have to take up your cross. Not, not his cross, but your cross. You know, people wonder, Well, what is my cross? Well, 
Paul filled it in later in Colossians 1.24. He said, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, speaking of the church, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now what he was saying, he wasn't saying that the work of Jesus on the cross wasn't adequate for for salvation. But what he was saying was, I'm doing, I'm suffering. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to fill up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions to help his church become everything, to help you and me become everything we ought to be. This is what a cross-shaped assignment really is. It's a daily decision that I'm going to do whatever is it takes, even if it's really hard, to help God's people become everything they're supposed to be. He says, you have to be willing to deny yourselves, take up your cross daily, and then you can follow me. Now, the reason you can't go straight to following is because if you try, what will happen is you start trying to follow Jesus. And when you have to deny yourself, when it starts to pinch a little bit, when you don't get recognized or people disappoint you or or you feel overworked or over um, stressed, uh, you're going to quit. Or when you have to take up today's cross, you will quit because it's going to cause you to have to be uncomfortable. You will not follow very far. You know, we live in an age of churchgoers and fantasy disciples who do not follow unless it's comfortable, unless it's popular or cool and self-gratifying. A crossless discipleship is what we've ended up with that doesn't really require a death to my hatred, to my grudges, to my prejudices, to my pride, to my agenda, to my selfishness, to my opinions. It doesn't require... Um, the love of God and love for God. And so Jesus comes back and he has to confirm this to them. He says, I really mean this. If you, anyone is going to come after me, that means you or me. If we're going to go after him, we have to follow, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. And he says it like this, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever wishes, whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. If you imagine in your mind you can hold on to what you want and get everything you want and have everything, it's not going to cost you anything. If you think that you can, if you wish that you could save your life, you're going to lose it for sure. But whoever loses his life for sure, you give it up. He is the one who will save it. You're going to get it. Real life. For what does it profit? If he gains the whole world and forfeits himself or loses or forfeits himself, you lose yourself. You quit being the person God really wanted you to be. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and his only begot, his holy angels. Jesus makes it clear that we are never to water this down for ourselves or anybody else. Don't out of shame that you won't be liked, you won't be popular, dilute what it takes to really follow Jesus. You know, the pressure is great to just tell people. I know this is true as a pastor. Tell them what they want to hear. Keep the customers satisfied. Tell people they can stay selfish and still follow Jesus. 
you can still be egotistical and get all kinds of be self-promoting and follow Jesus. The pressure to not make anyone uncomfortable or to tell them they don't have to sacrifice anything or give anything or to forgive anybody or to serve without complaint is unrelenting. It's constant pressure. You know, people will say things sometimes. Are you telling me I have to help this person even though it's going to really be hard for me? Yes. Are you telling me I have to forgive them even though they've really disappointed me? If I'm, Do I have to forgive them to really follow Jesus? Yes. Are you telling me I need to give in generosity and quit hoarding my stuff? Yes. Are you telling me that I need to love difficult and ignorant people to follow Jesus? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Remember what he told the rich young ruler? Go sell all that you own and give it to the poor and come follow me. He didn't worry about whether that big, big possible donor was going to stick around. And the guy left. So if you call yourself a Christian, so you call yourself a Christian, you need to really get serious about counting the cost of what truly following looks like. These are times in this era when Jesus doesn't need fans, but he needs followers. You know, the, the um, crises that we've been through in the last few years has stripped out a lot. But Jesus doesn't need those of you that really want to be followers of Jesus. You really want to serve him and express his love for your love for God and for others. This is the time to do it. The Lord is looking for followers. Not bread seekers, but bread givers. And he will give you the strength to love people as you try and follow him. But you have to deny yourself first or it's not going to happen. You'll talk yourself out of everything. You have convinced yourself that you're right. You have to take up your cross-shaped assignment for today. Tomorrow may be a different one. And then and only then will you follow Jesus in every, in, in, follow Jesus in a way that you really need to. You see, in every period of time in history of great need, people who call themselves Christians have to come back. They're being called back to what being Jesus's follower really means. You know, you think about a guy like John Wesley, who was an Anglican priest and there was a period of great disruption and political upheaval in England and mass poverty and and people that were really oppressed by really, really um, kind of an almost kind of slavery to for the for those that were in the mines and in working in places. And then the church was incredibly compromised because it was basically run by the government. But they kicked it. They, they, they would not accept Wesley, but Wesley came into an amazing encounter with Jesus. And what he ended up doing was he began to call for a real return to really living for Christ, following him in the way that he said, to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. And what that happened was it transformed generations of followers. I mean, the outcome was that the Methodist church and many other groups came out of it. Incredible amount of witness and social health and and uh, reforms took place. Even the abolition of slavery came out of John Wesley's um, 
indirectly and indirectly through his influence. And here's something John Wesley wrote. For if we do not continually deny ourselves, we do not learn of him, but of other masters. If we do not take up our cross daily, we do not come after him, but after the world or the prince of the world, our own fleshly mind. But if we, if we are not, not walking in the way of the cross, we are not following him. We, we are not treading in his steps, but going back from, or at least wide of him. This is what Wesley said. You got to do it. There isn't a different way for a vibrant, real, um, powerful work of God within his people, within his church. You know, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in, in Germany and, and, um, as Hitler began to rise in Germany in the 1930s, um, Bonhoeffer uh, went to the U.S. to study. And as, when Hitler took over and he starts ravaging the country, Bonhoeffer was told by all of his friends, don't go back to Germany, it'll be the end of you. But he went back to Germany because he felt like God led him in that to help the church even though Hitler was very, very powerful. In the end, the Nazis ended up hanging Bonhoeffer shortly before the war ended. But here's what he wrote in his one of his little books, The Cost of Discipleship. But how is the Christian to know what kind of cross is meant for him? He will find out as soon as he begins to follow his Lord and to share his life. Wow. You start out, you deny yourself, you enter into that relationship where you have a submitted heart, you're willing to take up your cross, your cross-shaped assignment every day, and he'll show you what's next. This is what maturity really looks like. It's not from a seminary degree or a college degree or, or through years in church or having a title someplace. This is what maturity looks like. And you can't stay a selfish child forever if you're going to really follow him. But your family and your church and your world needs followers of Jesus right now, like never before, ready to do what is next. You know what I want to tell you, especially for those of you that are part of TFBC, let's do this together. Amy Carmichael, one of my favorite po poets, um, she was a, um, she ministered in India um, for, for many, many years and, and really saved and rescued all of these girls that were being trafficked. And she asked this question, Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded, and by the archers spent, leaned me against a tree to die, and rent. By ravening beasts that compass me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar. Yet as the master shall the servant be. And pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine are whole. 
Can he have followed far who has no wound or scar? If anyone will follow me, will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily. That's what you got to do. That's where we got to start. The great thing is, is he meets us on that journey as we walk with him. I wonder if you might want to take a, a, take a few moments to respond to this message. You can find the link to respond right underneath um, this, this screen. Then it's called the next steps. You might say, I turn from selfishness to following Jesus. Maybe you're saying, I've been calling myself a Christian, but I haven't really reflected it very much. You might ask us to pray for you as you take up today's cross-shaped assignment. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. It might be a family member. It might be a situation. I don't know. And then maybe most important of all, you might say, I commit to be a follower and not a fan. Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for real followers. And you can do this and we can do this together. Thank you for watching this. Please share it with somebody if you think it'll help them. God bless you.